This is Greece, a fantastic European Mediterranean nation that has been famed in recent years for its not-so-fantastic economy. Greece is a fascinating country whose economics sort of read like a blueprint of how not to handle a national economy during the good times, and by extension, it is a country that has never truly recovered from the bad times. The subprime mortgage crisis of 2008 was bad for many, many nations. Of course, we tend to think of images of Wall Street analysts walking onto the street with bankers' boxes full of their personal belongings, or foreclosed homes, or, or whatever. But the truth is that it was a global crisis that hit many, many nations much harder than the USA. Places like Iceland basically lost half of their wealth overnight. Unemployment in Spain and France spiked, and Greece was another nation left behind in the dust of this mess. Now, none of these nations were innocent bystanders by any measure. We will explore how the overextension of the Greek economy led to this catastrophic knock-on effect, but all of these other countries, Iceland, Spain, France, they have all more or less found their feet again after the global financial crisis and subsequent Eurozone crisis. But Greece, well, Greece has somewhat lagged behind. The reason why is really important to understand, and it has a lot to do with what gave Greece its prosperity in the first place. Greece in the 21st century looks like many other middle-of-the-road developed economies. It has and still does have a lot of things going for it. It has a huge tourism industry, one of the largest per capita in the world, and its exotic islands and ancient landmarks still attract millions every year, bringing with them all of those wonderful tourist dollars. It also has a very developed services sector, with around 80% of its population working in service-based roles, which again, is normally the mark of a really strong developed country. Another large industry that Greece has that a lot of people tend to overlook is shipping. Greece has the largest merchant marine fleet in the entire world, easily beating out other nations like the USA, China, South Korea, and other heavy hitters that are typically associated with global shipping. This has been a hugely profitable industry for the Greek economy. We have seen time and time again in any video on this channel that global trade has been a driving force in building the wealth of modern nations that we take for granted today. And Greece, with its vast fleet of container ships, has been there to facilitate that trade. This kind of work is great. Not only does it cause cash inflows to your economy without having to dig up or export raw materials or even produce anything on your own shores, it's also a huge growth industry. As the world becomes more and more dependent on global trade, it will become more and more dependent on Greek ships to facilitate that trade. Curiously enough though, shipping is not some new industry for Greece, born out of the need to facilitate a globalizing world. Rather, it has kind of been their go-to industry for millennia. You see, Greece, while beautiful, is kind of just a pile of rocks. It has terrible soil, very little in the way of natural resources, and the only geographic advantage that it had was being right in the middle of the Mediterranean which meant it could import a lot of things that it needed. 
This need for shipping carries on to this day, where the country still relies heavily on food imports and doesn't have much material wealth of its own to export. Which is probably all where the problem started. You see, at the turn of the new century, Greece was riding high on the economic prosperity of the world. But they made the mistake of assuming that it would all go on forever. Greece was doing really, really well for a really, really long time. Now, typical economic theory dictates that good times are when nations should be restricting spending and taxing a little bit more to build up a bit of cash so that if the economy heads to a downturn, which it almost inevitably does, you have some cash to buy your way out of the problem. This is called counter-cyclical fiscal policy, and it is a pretty common concept enacted by most developed economies around the world today. And this is actually pretty easy to think of on a personal level, as someone saving up an emergency fund while they have a full-time job in case one day they get fired, well, they will still have that money saved up to pay rent and buy food and live the lifestyle they have become more or less accustomed to, until they can get a new job. The same kind of common sense personal finance strategy effectively scales up to a national economic level. For example, in 2008, the Australian government was in a really, really strong position. It had been saving up lots and lots of money over the good times of the early 2000s and used this surplus of funds to give every taxpaying Australian $900 directly deposited into their bank account. This was a very direct method of fiscal stimulus but it worked. People took their $900 and went out and bought coffee and dinners and secondhand jet skis or, or whatever and got the economy moving again. This was one of the primary reasons that Australia actually avoided going into recession altogether. Now Greece was not so sensible. It saw the good times of the early 2000s as a dream that would go on forever. Everybody was talking about how technology and globalization and trade and international finance was going to mean that economic downturns are no longer a thing anymore. And Greece was poised to live large on this run of good luck. And live large they did. Greece actually did the opposite of general economic theory and raised government spending during these times, giving out generous welfare and putting money into questionable projects while also reducing taxation. Now in fairness, Greece actually did try to raise taxes during this period, it's just that they were really, really rubbish at actually collecting these taxes. Greece during this period had a very, very large cash economy and a pretty toothless collecting agency, which meant that a majority of profits and incomes weren't being registered or recorded, and even if they were, it was pretty up in the air if they would actually get paid out as taxes. On a larger scale, even Greece's major corporations weren't really paying their fair share. The Greek merchant marine fleet was a great example of this. Most Greek shipping companies actually established their office headquarters in Switzerland or the Netherlands, registered their ships in Malta or Panama, and hired their crews from the Philippines. This meant that sure, Greek companies were making bank, but a lot of that money wasn't coming back onto Greek shores. What this meant that was while times were good, Greece blew it. And they also got accustomed to a certain standard of living that was never sustainable. 
Remember in Friends when Joey got his starring role on Days of Our Lives and started bringing in big bucks? Well, he moved into a big apartment, bought a whole lot of expensive tacky furniture and ran up a massive credit card bill. Ross begged him to be a little bit more fiscally conservative and actually save some money in case his role in the show ever ended and Joey said, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Well, of course, it all came to an end and the tacky furniture in the big apartment got repossessed and he was still left with the visa bill that was built up with the expectation that his acting career would go on forever. Well, Joey was the Greek economy. But unfortunately, life is not a sitcom and Greece has actually felt some consequences from their irresponsibility. When the financial crisis eventually hit, Greece was left with its pants down. It had a large public debt, no savings, no strong domestic industries, and an over-leveraged population that had racked up their own personal debts living beyond their means. This all meant that Greece could not turn around and stimulate its economy through generous government spending like Australia, and even the United States was doing during this time. It had just lost its job and had to face the visa bill head on. What this meant was that Greece had to resign itself to austerity measures, which basically means increasing taxation while going on a budget. You know, that thing it probably should have been doing the whole time. This involved Greece increasing its taxes and also implementing measures to ensure that people were actually paying what they owed. It also meant that all of those generous government programs slowly had to be cut. All of this was to ensure that Greece could actually continue to pay back its debts. Government debt is normally seen as the most secure type of debt in the world. It normally receives a triple A credit rating, for whatever that's worth, because the assumption is that governments can always just raise taxes on its citizens to pay back these debts, which is ultimately true, and it was the measure that the Greek government had to take but what this assumption and credit rating fails to realise is that austerity is a rough process. Cutting government spending and raising taxes during a downturn is the economic equivalent of beating a man while he is down. It means that businesses turn less of a profit, government workers are out of their jobs, furthering unemployment, and people have less money to spend at the end of the month. This inevitably led to further economic and social issues in the nation, which caused an echo recession in the Greek Eurozone crisis, which among other things, has had just as much to do with the Euro as it did with the GFC. On January 1st, 2002, Greece introduced the Euro, and after phasing out the drachma, this currency was a universal currency that was shared between nations like France, Germany, Italy, and the like. All of this was fantastic for things like trade within the Eurozone, and a single currency region had many, many other advantages that we have explored last week in our video on Brexit. So go watch that video after you're done here if you want to learn more about that. A major disadvantage of a common currency, though, is that it limits the ability of an economy to suffer in silence. Externally, it meant that the entire Eurozone was more or less dragged down by the Greek economy, but that was actually somewhat limited. The key disadvantage of a common currency was actually internal to the Greek economy. You see, a floating currency, that is a currency that is determined by market prices, is a great stabilizing force for an economy. 
If the Greek economy was still using the drachma in the period after 2008, it would have depreciated greatly. It's just what currencies do when their nation economies are going badly. This does not sound like a good thing, but it actually is, and here's why. A depreciating currency means that suddenly Greece is more competitive in world markets. If people had been planning a trip to Santorini, the value of Greek currency falling by 40% suddenly makes that holiday 40% cheaper, which would tempt a lot more people to actually go out and book those flights like they'd always planned to, which is great for the Greek economy. It also means that if US tourists rocks up and exchanges their US dollars over for Greek drachmas, that they will get a lot more for their freedom bucks, which will mean that they have more money to spend in Greek restaurants and on tours and buying souvenirs or whatever. Outside of tourism, it also makes Greek exports artificially cheaper and imports more expensive, which means that other nations may be more likely to purchase Greek goods and Greek citizens will be less likely to purchase foreign goods, which has a really positive impact on the internal economy. The problem was that Greece was tied to the Euro, which was tied to Germany and France and to a certain extent other countries like Italy. Major economies that fared slightly better during this period, which meant this self-stabilizing foreign exchange force could not take place. The financial crisis of 2008 is now a distant memory for most nations. Even the Eurozone, which was the most heavily impacted region, has more or less recovered despite other issues like Brexit doing their best to keep the region down. But Greece really hasn't. 2017, almost 10 years after the events that set off this whole schmozzle, marked the first year that Greece saw GDP growth. The nation's reputation has taken a major hit that has lasted long after any actual economic issues have subsided. People are less likely to loan money to the Greek government or Greek institutions because they have massively impacted their national credit score. Tourism has suffered as imagery of social unrest and government corruption is the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of people thinking of Greece. And also, the economy has suffered massively from an effect called brain drain. Another major side effect of a universal economic region like the European Union is that workers are free to move and work wherever they please. Now this can be a good thing, it allows for free exchange of skilled workers across the region to nations where they are most in demand. But it also means that in the case of nations like Greece, they are free to leave. Doctors and lawyers and engineers have seen the falling wages, social unrest and political instability of the nation and gone, <laughs> thank you, next. Packed up their bags and moved to Germany or France or wherever where they will have access to more opportunity outside of the unrest of their home nation. This is not an exclusively Greek problem. It has been seen in nations like South Africa for decades. It was just a more accelerated process in Greece due to the ease of working across borders in the European Union. I hate to say it again, but the modern Greek economy has a crisis of confidence. It had a great run and they botched it, which means a lot of parties don't want anything to do with them anymore. Nobody will lend them money or set up businesses in the country. People aren't as keen to visit the beautiful islands and its most productive citizens have peaced out. But it's not all doom and gloom. 
Realistically, the Greek economy should continue its recovery. Reputations fade, and it seems for the most part that the government has learnt from the mistakes of the past. It may be a long time before Greece sees the level of wealth it became accustomed to in the early 2000s, but it will achieve something more important than that in the meantime. The economy of Greece has been shrinking year after year since 2008, but now, for the first time in nearly a decade, it has seen some growth. And if there is anything that builds confidence quickly, it is the trust that tomorrow will be better than today. Hi guys, thanks for watching. As always, a huge thank you to our new patrons over on Patreon. You guys continue to make the channel possible. We will be hosting the Q&A session live stream on the second channel linked in the video description. If you want to be involved in that, come on over there and participate directly by joining our Discord server. Otherwise, if you did enjoy the video, please consider liking and subscribing. Thanks guys, bye.